Welcome to You're the Boss, a mantra for anyone who's ever had to face their own fears, struggles, and even failures. Join host Larry Roberts for a deep dive into overcoming limiting beliefs and identifying where our pasts can shape us rather than define us to build a lifestyle and business filled with passion and purposeful leadership. Now your host, Larry Roberts. With us today is Kenny Gray, founder of Great Media. Kenny and his team are passionate about helping businesses find their one-of-a-kind message. He's here today to provide some insights on how to create unique, creative strategies that produce effective results to help scale revenues, boost brand awareness, and enhance the user experience while getting the highest ROI. Kenny's ability to be able to utilize Facebook and other social media channels has been proven to scale e-commerce businesses and Shopify stores alike. So with that, Kenny, welcome to the show. Hey, how's it going, Larry? Thanks for having me. Good, man. You know, like, like I was saying in the uh, green room as we were getting official there, uh, this is something that's that's really near and dear to my heart because, I mean, as content creators, we struggle in this arena sometimes. So give me a little more backstory on how you managed to find the the golden ticket to social media fame. Yeah, absolutely. Especially today where you can make so much money on the internet. And in the past few years, there have been, uh, I guess, different avenues. And uh, I don't want to go down the dark road because there are, we're going moving out of like the whole scammy uh, part of Facebook and advertising online. You know, all of the privacy settings that are updating, Facebook, Google, uh, making you verify your business, uh, make everything a little bit more legitimate, all in um, full purpose is just to create like a better experience for its users. So you have to navigate those waters. And as an agency, you need to pick the right clients to work with as well. Um, and obviously, you know, you want to make money, you want to work with people who are going to pay you, but you also want to um, work with like a winning product, a winning brand, people who have a, a holistic approach, not somebody who just wants to hey, let me make like a keto PDF and sell it for $25 and I'm going to be a millionaire. Uh, maybe seven years ago. Yeah, you could definitely do that. Now you have to, you have to realize that, you know, the generations have changed. People are more savvy to the internet and how it works. We're not just clicking any link that we get. Uh, we're not answering any phone call, any ad that you see. Everyone's naturally skeptical right away. So beyond just figuring out how these ad platforms work. You have to build that trust. You have to build your brand and you have to have all the supporting pieces for that company just to, uh, you know, you want to get the good reviews. You want to create a good customer experience. Uh, you don't want people to bounce off your website immediately just because uh, they got hit with like four or five pop-ups and they can't even see what the price of your product is. So there are a lot of little levers to pull. So kind of through my journey, it is really just finding winning products with uh, winning brands. Is the process overcomplicated though? I mean, because starting a, creating a Facebook ad, pretty straightforward, pretty simple. Granted, we can take these, these fairly simple processes and, and complicate them as much as we really want to. Oh, absolutely. Is, is it really that necessary to, to go into that minutia? Because, you know, I've had other people on the show that, that are, are bringing similar concepts to the forefront but they make it seem like it's just so out of reach and out of touch for the average entrepreneur. Is it really, does it have to be that complex? 
I don't think it needs to be complex at all. In fact, my best clients and the best brands that I'm seeing do the, the just the best in revenue wise and performance and followers and engagement. They're keeping their process very simple. And again, on the marketing and advertising side, the main key here is always be testing, always uh, putting different feelers out to the market, whether it's merchandise, whether it's content, but you don't need to create complicated funnels with, uh, you know, one click upsells or one time offers. You don't need to offer 80%. I'd say, you know, keep it very straightforward, keep it simple. The product will sell itself if it's a good product. So that's one hurdle I have with uh, plenty of clients where, you know, they might just have one thing that is an accessory for a phone, but that's not really going to cut it. Sometimes you got to bring it back to the basics and just, you want to provide like a variety of accessories in your niche. So I would say keeping it simple is the best plan I've always used, especially with media buying. Yeah. You can use all types of bid strategies, especially in Facebook where you're using like a thousand, $10,000 budgets with bid caps, cost caps, all these elaborate trickle down from oceans to ponds, to rivers, to little buckets that you want to target. And uh, really, if you want to break it down, it's just you need a top of the funnel, middle of the funnel, and a bottom of the funnel audiences. And in some cases, you don't really even need to change your messaging too much. It's kind of about repetition. It's about frequency. It's about building the rapport. But then you also got to catch your user at the right time because, you know, last Tuesday isn't the same as this week's Tuesday. And next Tuesday is going to be completely different. So sometimes people set up a great plan, but they don't give it enough time. So it's kind of like plan the work, work the plan keeping it very simple. So help me understand that a little bit more, but you said a couple of things there actually, cause I'd never heard the various bodies of water analogy before. Uh, but also what do you mean by last Tuesday is not the same as this Tuesday and it's not going to be the same as next Tuesday. What are you, what are you referring to there? I mean, obviously the days change, uh, interests change, but what, what are you really getting at there? Okay. So for the first thing, um, with the bodies of water, um, it might've been Timbert or Shackleford, one of those guys that has been around forever and, you know, feels like they invented Facebook advertising at this point. (laughs) But, uh, the strategy really is just like, we have all these users on the internet. So we could say that's the ocean. Uh, and not everyone is in the ocean is going to be interested in your product. Right. So that's where we get into the messaging, the targeting to the product. So we're pulling from the entire population of the, you know, the internet. So we're going to move those, those people into a sea. So we're targeting cold, which is going to be the ocean. And we're going to move them down to the next level and introduce them with a brand awareness play. Uh, simple, just, you know, this is what our product is. This is the problem that it solves. This is how it's going to help you from day to day. And uh, it's not that expensive either. So here, come check it out. Uh, so that might even just be a link click. It might just be a video view. It might just be, uh, you know, a heart on a comment or a like on the ad that you're or just a regular post too. So now we got them in a sea. So now we want to move them over to a lake and then maybe to a river. And then we have them in small buckets of water where that's going to be our hot retargeting because we've showed them uh, reasons why they like the product, uh, all the benefits, how it's going to help you for your day-to-day life. And then we kind of show the value of it. Like, Hey, look, we got 5,000 five-star reviews. Everybody's loving it. You're going to love it too. Give it a shot. We got a 30 day money back guarantee. You got nothing to lose basically building that rapport and that trust until they finally pull the trigger and convert. So that's a simplified version of it. I'm sure you can find one on YouTube. That's a little bit more elaborate and people actually know like bodies of ocean more accurately, but uh, generally, yeah, you're trying to pull from larger groups and kind of trickle them down and build that interest and build that uh, desire for your product or your offer, your services, whatever it might be. 
And then what was the next one? We were just yeah. Talking the next about? point was was talking about the, and 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 can we anticipate this? Can we anticipate these changes from last Tuesday to this Tuesday to next Tuesday? What are you necessarily referencing there? Because I mean, our product's not changing. Granted, the audience will probably change or potentially change, could increase or decrease, or even have a completely different perspective. So help me understand that a little bit more. How how do we shape our ads and shape our campaigns to be able to deal with these, these shifts. Oh yeah, absolutely. So, I mean, I even have clients that just go based off of trends, but uh, let me pull back a little bit. So what I mean by each week isn't going to be the same. Every month isn't going to be the same. Uh, we're about a week away from black Friday. Sure. So this is like a black and white example of, you know, this week is going to be a very flat neutral. People are saving, people are waiting for all the big deals to come out or, you know, you might be finishing up work and the, you know, grind it out. So we have holidays next week. Uh, but we could expect next weekend, you know, a lot of people's, uh, Q4, they're going to make most of their profits and most of their revenue just next week alone. Right. So I think that's a clear example, but if you want to get a little bit more granular every month throughout the year, uh, it's just going to be different where people are focused, right? So if I'm doing fitness and supplements, uh, I have a couple of those clients right now. And usually Q4 is pretty slow because the holidays, it's getting chilly. You're not outdoors as much as active. Um, and people are just grinding out the end of the year. So you're not really focused on your diet. You're not out at the beach. You're not showing off. Um, it's just, sometimes it's just a little so, uh, sociology of like the culture, what's going on. And it's just obvious I'm in Florida. So it's a little different here. People are out and about all the time, but, uh, everyone doesn't have our weather. So I know right now we're going to shift our budgets around. We're going to focus on our anchor products just to, uh, focus on the products that are really going to give us, uh, the actual profit margins that work in our favor right now. But we are in the background, we're going to work on new offers for January and February because it's a New Year's resolution. We want to get ready for spring break. We want to get ready for the summer. So pre-workout, protein's going to work out great. Uh, any content on working out, people are going to be viewing that because they're like, oh, yeah, like in 60 days, I'm going to be going to Cancun. And uh, I got a little, you know, fluff from the holidays from traveling around. You don't have, you're kind of broken from your normal routine. And then uh, what I was saying before one of my clients, he really based off of trends. It's a, it's one of those classic, I, I'm, it's a unicorn account for sure. Basically, you know, something trendy comes along and he, you know, moved to a certain part of the world to become an actor or like a comedian. So he has a, you know, he has his finger on the pulse of what's going on, what people are paying attention to, and he has figured out his niche. So uh, in this case, it's like gym bros. So that doesn't mean every trend is going to work for them, but the ones that are going to stick, that's kind of in pop culture right now for that 18 to like 30 year old guy, he knows what's going to work and he has jokes ready for it. So he might make a quick joke, do a parody version of it, and then he'll order just a limited amount of merchandise and it sells out within a week or two. Uh, so that's an easy $150,000 day and your margins are about 60 to 80%. Uh, so that's when you started, you know, those, everyone wants to start a t-shirt company, but that's when you get into the numbers where it makes sense. <laughs> it's, it's interesting that you're talking about these parodies and, and, and jokes, or even just posts that are, that are following trends, something that still interests me, but yet still perplexes me somewhat too, is TikTok. And I know that's one of your strong suits. So talk to me about how, how can the, uh, how can the, the Gen Xer even get in, in on the TikTok craze? 
So TikTok is just an interesting one. So I was one of the first ones to enter with an ads manager and a business manager in there to start kind of testing out ads and kind of see performance. Um, we got an invite, we got a special credit to use. I'm sure there was, you know, hundreds or maybe thousands of others, but one thing that really rang true, which TikTok actually tells you when you're going in there, they're like, uh, don't make ads, make TikToks. Cause, uh, you know, with all these social media platforms, uh, shifting, you go to each platform for usually specific reasons and you have expectations. Facebook, you might be dealing with family. It's great for articles. It's great to learn about apps and, uh, honestly, the ads do really well. Even I find some things on there where I'm like, should I buy it? And I'm like, nah, actually I like it. And it worked out. I got one of the the big blankets. They got okay, me. Okay. Okay. They, uh, they must have a very large budget because I got hit with about a dozen ads and I was like, all right, I finally got hit with a discount code and I was like, let's do it. And, uh, I like it. It came out great. It's perfect. Um, but so then you got Instagram. That's obviously very picture heavy. They're trying to do some videos as well, but you go there for a little bit more entertainment um, you might be going there for like sports updates, just, you know, photo based. But when you're going on TikTok, it's almost like a sub genre of, uh, YouTube or cable even cause they're just short little skits. Right. I mean, uh, everybody was on vine. Vine was cool. I think they just didn't kind of keep that momentum. Uh, and they didn't really try and capitalize on it. And I think TikTok's great because you know, all the creators, they're finding ways to pay these kids and some of the stuff's really good. And these are people who are wanting to be actors or, or comedians or, you know, be an entertainer or show business. And it gives them that platform or the medium to connect to users where they can reach as many as possible, but you don't need an agent. You don't have to be in New York. You don't have to be in LA. Um, but they have to have to be careful not to pigeonhole themselves into just being, you know, I'm a, you know, social media star because it limits their access. But so for the advertising piece of it, it's like, yeah, you want to capture people's attention. Uh, you know, always go with that three second rule, but you also want to use it in a way that you don't want to be sold to, right? You just want to see somebody using it who really likes it. The best part about uh, a good ad is you don't realize you're watching an ad until it's already over and you're like, ah, so like the Super Bowl commercials, everybody's watching those, but it's because they're really entertaining. It's almost sometimes people only watch the Super Bowl for the commercials, which are Guilty. advertisements. Right? Guilty. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The last few, uh, the, I'm a little upset because they've been slacking on those commercials, but that's like a prime example uh, because they know uh, if you're watching a regular game and you're not watching red zone or something where it's just purely the sport, um, you're not watching, uh, you're probably going to get up during, uh, the breaks. You're going to go hang out with your buddies. You're going to go eat. You're going to use a bathroom break, but now it's just more like, let me know when the game uh, has a timeout so I can watch the uh, Super Bowl commercials yeah. or, and then they yeah. double down and put it on YouTube and then they get the views and they get, uh, just more brand awareness. And in some cases they get paid for those views as well. So I think that's really important to pay attention to. I've worked with a lot of creative teams and once you get to a certain level and you're trying too hard, people can read through that. Cause again, we're a lot more savvy on the internet. Now we've seen it all. Uh, you know, we don't need the wacky floating man anymore. And you know, bye, 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 BOGO 80% off. Uh, I just don't think those are working as well because people read through the lines and like, eh, like you're probably buying this for a quarter. I'll go find it on Amazon because they're capitalizing on this stuff. And uh, then you don't win the sale with them. So, but how do we translate as smaller businesses? I mean, we're sitting here talking about Super Bowl ads and and uh, high high end advertising. How can the average business owner capitalize on this same level of exposure? And 
I mean, there's so many different platforms that are out there. How do we know what platform to go to? It's really, you want to go where your users are and where the majority of people are going to be. So right now it's still Facebook and Instagram. And now there's a ton of users on TikTok. What I'm realizing from all the ads that I ran, uh, you get really cheap traffic. You get a great click through rate, basically a ton of views. What I don't see are, are a lot of conversions. And you're talking about on TikTok? Yes, on TikTok. So it's not converting as well from what I see. I'm sure there's products that are really winning on there. Um, but what I'm noticing is it's a big brand awareness play. Uh, now everyone's just capitalizing on these creators that create a post that's a TikTok, and then they use that as the ad itself. Because again, you're like, oh, I've seen this creator before. What's your content about this time? And then you're 10 seconds in and you're like, oh, it's a sponsored ad. But even if you didn't want it at that time, it still registers in your brain. Uh, it's just another brand awareness play because, uh, but you know, it's the old saying there's no definite number, but it takes like what, 20, 30 touch points before someone actually makes like an actual purchase with your product. So keeping that in mind, you, you might want to shift your budget around. Um, for example, what we definitely do is we'll do brand awareness on Facebook, Instagram, TikTok, uh, Pinterest, YouTube, and then we try to convert mainly on Facebook and Instagram and Google and Google retargeting is very heavy for us because basically once they start searching for your business or your product, you have those search campaigns set up immediately just to capture them right away. So you pop up at the top. So if I were a smaller business, yeah, I'd be trying to find a, a winning product by testing. Uh, and then I'd be running a ton of brand awareness to basically put some feelers out. Cause, uh, I've worked with people who have, uh, you know, a $20 budget a day, all the way to $5,000 a day. Uh, and in some cases I've partnered on different accounts where we spent, you know, 1.5 million in a month as well after they found their winning product. So there are ways you just have to manage your money, right? You really need to know the analytics and the metrics and be able to read the data, which is getting increasingly more difficult. But uh, yeah, it's just finding your winning products, finding your right audience and your right messaging. Uh, and you gotta play the long game. Uh, anyone on here just trying to, again, if you're just trying to like come up with some makeup or like a, you know, I'm with stupid t-shirt and you wanna put it on there, it's probably not gonna work out. You have to have a bigger plan. So how did you get involved in all this? I mean, you're a young guy and you've, you've, you've got a good grip on this whole social media marketing strategy. How did you get into it, man? And how did you get to the point where you're at today? So I guess if we went really far back, I am in that age group where I remember getting the first modems <laughs> before the internet, before regular phones. Like I remember having my mom's Nokia. So uh, our home PC, I used to love taking it apart. The technology piece just always fascinated me. And then uh, we all got the AOL discs, right? And installed them <laughs> on our computer. And then you start getting some chat rooms and you just kind of start exploring the internet. So it definitely came from some curiosity, but then uh, uh, just kind of another desire just of uh, kind of learning what's out there and what people can do. So again, you go to AIM and then MySpace came out. Well, I always tell people sometimes that, uh, you know, I don't know if you had a MySpace oh, yeah. page, but, uh, you know, when you could edit it and you just added some code to it and, uh, you could edit uh, the songs or the background on your MySpace some page. Sparkles up there, some animation, some gifts, that sort of thing, or GIFs. Yeah, exactly. And it was big. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So you, then you would just basically copy paste a code. So that's kind of the example where I've kind of given that uh, digital marketing has gotten to that stage, especially when you come down to like building websites and doing that, like most of it's already built for you. You just have to connect the pieces and make those integrations. 
Um, but sorry, I'm getting off track, but, uh, yeah. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, no, always been a video game guy, just always been around technology and just been curious and just, I've just really enjoyed it. I've worked such a variety of jobs, even though I am young, but I've went from like an assistant home inspector when I was 16 to working at the mall to working in hospitality, which I really think credited to how I can really understand how users interact with businesses and companies. Uh, and then finally, I you know graduated college, which I don't think was completely necessary, but it was fun. Just for anyone who there's a lot of college haters lately where I'm just like, well, I thought I had a pretty good time. And you, the whole point, you know, you learn a ton of subjects, you turn a lot of uh, basically conversational pieces or really just understanding how the war- world works, right? Um, which I think helps when you don't really realize it helps. Uh, but now we're getting off the topic even bigger now. Uh, but it, it goes back to one of those, I'll never use algebra. Uh, you would be surprised with analytics. My point is that yeah. you would be surprised how often we actually use algebra. But if you, you can look at it from that perspective of why the heck am I learning this? This is stupid. This has no application. But down the road, it ends up having an application that you never even conceived of. Oh yeah. I haven't used geometry. (laughs) I wouldn't say uh, business calculus. Uh, I don't think derivatives really ever come in play, but uh, you know, the basics for sure and understanding like these logic problems of, you know, uh, it almost comes back to those stupid long paragraph questions where it's like, well, Ted bought 50 rubber ducks for $2 and 50 cents and he plans on selling it for this and his profit margin is so if things like that, you are constantly doing that for your clients and making sure it's going to be a win-win. It's like, yeah, I can do this for you, but I don't know if it's really actually going to be profitable. So what's the point of you paying me for you to lose money? And then you're just going to yell at me later. So uh, there are little numbers that you're running. Uh, you know, if I'm just yeah, being honest. Yeah, most definitely, 100%. <laughs> oh, I'm sorry, but to yeah. make it quick, I, I got an internship with uh, NBC Sports at the Golf Channel. Okay. I, uh, I'm i not a good golfer. I don't know why, but my life is just kind of, golf is just kind of keeps coming at me in waves. Like I've worked at country clubs, some of the nicest country clubs in the world. I, uh, I'm okay now. I'm definitely under a hundred, but I, I'm not a big golf. I mean, it's fun to go out there with friends, but I don't know. I kept ending up around it. And then I, I think it helped me get the job at the golf channel, which I helped with the analytics reporting. And then I did a little YouTube social media stuff with a lot of SEO. Then I got in with a smaller agency. They pretty much made me a media buyer. I caught on pretty quickly. Then they had me uh, learn funnels and then basically you know, I could get this work done very quickly. So I was like, Hey, what else can I do? So then I learned email. Then we did Shopify stores. Uh, then I just, you know, the curiosity got the best of me and, you know, I just started clicking buttons and going to different platforms just to see how they work. And, um, I just really enjoy the work. I really help, or I really like helping these other brands and clients and just seeing, uh, you know, their brand flourish and grow and, you know, their excitement, it makes me excited as well. So that's probably the hospitality piece as well. Being a people pleaser, like I'm a fantastic bartender, never going to do it again, (laughs) but that was uh, really cool. It's like, uh, you know, I can make this, this drink that you are asking for and you really are enjoying it. And then, you know, the compliments maybe, uh, I don't know, they could have been fake or they could have been liquor driven, but I still appreciated them. <laughs> Whatever it takes, man. Just, just give me a compliment. I'll run with it. I appreciate it. Yeah. Yeah. It makes me feel good, I guess for now, but, uh, yeah, just always being around for it. And then, uh, a bit of curiosity and just, uh, it's just an avenue that I just kind of kept pursuing and I really enjoy the work. So, uh, you know, even if I'm not even making the most money, I really enjoy the day-to-day work. I like working with, uh, you know, all my clients. Uh, we're starting to build like a small staff. I love training people. 
and basically opening their eyes to what's out there and then how the internet works, which a lot of people don't get to see. But it's kind of interesting because we're, we're going through yet another transformation as we sit here right now. And I, I just saw an ad yesterday for it that kind of tripped me out a little bit, but we're talking about meta and you know, the, the rebranding oh, yeah. of Facebook and the whole concept of the metaverse. And, you know, I, I saw an ad, it was actually on LinkedIn, but it was a meta ad on LinkedIn. And I got to tell you, the ad was pretty freaking creepy. Uh, it, it was kind of a, a paper mache meets claymation with some really weird looking animals and random people mixed in. And of course, it was the whole concept of, uh, you know, the metaverse and a virtual reality or a virtual augmentation of our surroundings. Where do you see that going? That has actually been a huge conversation sure. between me and all my friends and colleagues and other agencies that I work with. Uh, and it's funny that you said that, how you said it, because you said it was like kind of creepy, well, it's, right? It's not just me. There were hundreds of comments. And the thing that really stood out to me, because I spent some time on this post, out of the, I don't know, we'll call it 600 comments, I didn't find a single one that was positive. Now, there were hundreds, if not a couple of thousand thumbs ups and some hearts, you know, several hundred hearts, but for the, the, the vocal majority, they weren't supportive in the least, you know, it went from everything from anti-religion to we're losing a sense of our humanity to this whole thing is it's like lawnmower man. If you're old enough to even know that reference uh, movie back in the eighties, that was kind of a VR driven movie. One of the first ones back there. I mean, hell we can go back and talk about Tron if you want to even. Uh, you know, that was a, a still one of my favorites to date, but it's the same concept, yes. you know, getting into that, that metaverse per se. What do you think, man? So pretty much the way that you listed it out, you said, I saw it, I stopped. It was creepy. So right away when you're making ads, especially on social media, where you're just swiping, we're looking for scroll stoppers, right? So what's going to stop somebody from scrolling and passing by? Cause if you look like a regular advertisement, you probably just swipe, swipe, I don't care show me that I'm here for entertainment. So right away, uh, it's meta. It's, uh, if we're talking about meta as in the Facebook, yeah. uh, they're kind of too big to fail. They can risk, you know, playing different angles here. Uh, and again, like on the comments only they were bad probably because people are a bunch of trolls on the internet. Yeah, but This is also <laughs> LinkedIn. So it's not like you've got your teeny boppers sitting there drinking their mountain dews and eating their hot pockets. Yeah, no, you're definitely right. I feel like people tend to, I'm, I'm willing to bet there's a, some data to support this, but people are more willing to comment when it's almost negative or they don't really have anything positive and kind of like a review as well. So, uh, so there is one thing. So some of the ads I run for some of these clients, they are kind of fun and entertaining. And like I said, the parody stuff and they do get comments and sometimes it's fitness stuff. So, uh, you got a lot of, you know, gym bulky guys who could, you know, they know what they're doing and they're talking about, but then they start arguments right. in the comments. Uh, and from right. what I've seen, uh, these platforms don't notice if it's positive or negative. All they see is that it's that engagement. Is exactly right. It's so funny that you say that because I work with a lot of people that start YouTube channels. And if you, you want a vile and disgusting place, check out YouTube comment sections because they, oh yeah, <laughs> the, I think that's where the trolls go to retire. They just love it there. And people take that offensively, but at the same time, why take it offensively? Because it's engagement and that works in your favor for the algorithm. So uh, the, the platforms exactly. don't care. Just as long as they're getting some sort of engagement, that's all they're after. 
But we as as the small players, you know, and, and some of us, we might have some self-esteem issues from time to time. And, and we may see yeah. these <laughs> negative comments and go, oh, man, that really hurts. Why would they say this? Why don't they like my product? But guess what? It doesn't matter because they're getting you that exposure. It almost goes to the old adage of, you know, any news is good news. Yep, I was about to say any press is good press. So, um, but yeah, no, exactly what you're saying. They don't see good or bad. They see engagement. So as I'm training my media buyers, I tell them that. I'm like, don't worry about too many things unless, uh, you know, don't put girls in your ads, especially if they look provocative at all. Then you get swarmed with creeps. You get a ton of clicks and people are just wondering who the girl is. And then it gets a little weird. So we stay away from that. But, uh, you know, if they're just commenting on the product or they're commenting on their opinion on the workout or whatever the technology piece might be, uh, basically it turns itself into a self-perpetuating system where uh, it's telling Facebook, like, hey, everyone's liking this. They're commenting on it. Show it more to my users because Facebook or Instagram or TikTok, they're just concerned about people staying on the app and engaging. So they see those engagement metrics, whether it be good or bad, you're still on the app. You're scrolling and you're engaging and you're participating. Doesn't that, doesn't that open us up to the ethical discussions that we've we've seen as of late on these platforms? I mean, especially with Facebook, considering the negativity is almost rewarded. Oh, no, I've definitely seen TikTok channels where people, in a sense, like break character and they'll respond to a comment and they're like, guys, like uh, you guys just keep commenting. So I, I keep making the content like I'm getting paid for all the views and the content and all the uh, the comments that you're making on my videos like. I don't really care, but you guys keep it going. And like, uh, you know, again, they're like uh, third degree actors in a sense on yeah. social media where they're like, as long as you're engaging in doing all this, I'm just going to keep going down this road. Um, but yeah, it does get a little dicey when it gets a little political and heated and people turn into a, a little extreme on it. So uh, that's a whole different, completely bigger discussion that, you know, you have to really dive into. Uh, and it's hard to say what you can put a limit on. Uh, I don't know. That's not my yeah, specialty. It gets tough. <laughs> it gets tough. You start having those ethical discussions. But uh, I think what, you, what, what you're bringing to the table is great, and it's something that we all need to capitalize on. It's just interesting to see the evolution of the platform. And I don't mean one particular platform, just the platform of social media and social engagement in a dig- from a digital perspective. Absolutely. And uh, as for the whole meta discussion, I think, uh, you know, VR and AR aren't going anywhere. I think VR is going to be heavier for, you know, video games. Um, I definitely think that's the direction they're going. But for the metaverse in itself, I feel like it's going to be a mix between an actual, um, you know, large world, you know, almost GTA style where you can almost do anything or uh, obviously everybody makes the Ready Player One reference. Um, but I think we're going to see a good mix of AR, which will probably be more fun. Cause I noticed it when Pokemon go came out at first, uh, everybody saw waves of groups of people just getting outside and interacting, which I think ultimately most people want to be outside. They want to do stuff. They want to be with people. Even if you're an introvert, you still, uh, you want to be accepted. You want to have those interactions. So I saw a couple great TikToks the other day of AR examples. And basically they were just glasses that, Uh, map out the whole world and basically creators or advertisers create interactive animations within the real world. Um, I think they got to be a little careful. We're getting a little black mirror space here, but, uh, (laughs) but uh, yeah, I think that's going to kind of connect everything. So, you know, maybe you don't have to have your phone. It's going to be more about wearable technology. And when you show up to, uh, you know, a Starbucks or something, when you have your glasses on or whatever it might be, 
your accessories are going to interact with their devices. So it's all kind of seamless. Well, and that's kind of where NFTs can come into play. And man, we start getting, we, we start going down all kinds of rabbit holes there. So. Uh, yeah, I'm trying to learn all about the NFTs and see what actually like the value behind everything is and just pick the right ones. Cause there's some that make sense. Some that uh, I'm like, I don't really get it. Some are like baseball cards and then some come out. And then of course the, you know, cancel culture comes up from something that happened like 30 or 40 years ago. And then they, you know, you just spent $4,000 on something that who knows if it's even worth that. Now it's only worth like a hundred bucks. Yeah. So it's a, I think it's a tough one. Uh, it's not the same as to me, it's not the same as like buying stocks or funds no. or anything like that, just cause uh, you can see the value. I, you know, you buy into a company and you're like, Oh, you provide, you know, LIDAR technology for autonomous cars. Like you can see the product and how it's going to be applied to the world. NFTs, it's a, I don't know. It's the same as collectibles too. You know, uh, you know, Ken Griffey Jr.'s autograph card to me maybe isn't worth anything. To the right guy, maybe a sure. lot of money. Sure. Interesting stuff, man. I didn't mean to, mean to take us down that rabbit hole, but it's hard to talk about these platforms right now and any kind of engagement on the platform without taking that into consideration. Uh, just the evolution and the next stages. Uh, knowing how things work now is great. But we also need to be able to plan for the future as well. And everything's evolving so fast. Oh, absolutely. I think part of that, you have to pay attention to what's going on and where um, the new generation of people who are going to have the buying power are. Um, Like a ton of people in um, these online battle royale games like uh, Call of Duty and Apex Legends and Fortnite was a great example. Yeah, you can get, it's free to get in there and get all the basics. But uh, so I kind of see the NFTs going where it's like the skins or like the special helmets or the swords or guns that you can get. Now that makes sense. If you can, if there's only 20 versions of like a skin for a certain gun or a weapon, I could see people buying and selling that. Uh, It's just kind of like playing a big role-playing game. You go and get like the dark hammer of souls in like a certain (laughs) part of the map. You can't get, you just can't go buy that from one of the vendors when you're playing. You have, there's only that one. So I think, you know, I think it might go a little bit more around there. Again, it kind of is very alike to um, Ready Player One, which was awesome concept and kind of the same idea <laughs> as like what the metaverse is turning yeah, into. Yeah, it's amazing. It's, it's amazing and scary and interesting and something that we can leverage right now to grow our businesses. So that's, that's the main thing right there that we're focusing on with this particular discussion. So Man, I want to say thanks for for joining me. Tell people where they can find more about you, find out more about great media, and uh, reach out to you if they want to. Yeah, thanks for having me. This was really fun. Um, Yeah, if anybody wants to uh, book a discovery call, I do tons of free calls just to help you with your business, figure out and navigate these platforms. You can go to greatmedia.com. So it's G-R-A-Y-T media. Uh, Again, I have to reiterate because it's (laughs) just a pun on my name, so I don't want people getting confused. But uh, greatmedia.com, there's a button right there. You can schedule a call. I'll help you out. I've done it with dozens of people, and uh, the comments are very rewarding because uh, I'd say eight times out of ten it works, and these people are, you know, making the money that they wanted to make working on their own. So it is possible. You just have to know what leverage to pull. Cool deal. Well, Kenny, I appreciate it, man. Thank you so much for your time. And everybody, thank you so much for listening. This has been another tremendous episode, and I can't wait to talk to you again next week. So until then, take care. We'll talk soon. You've just listened to You're the Boss with Larry Roberts. 
Join us for our next episode where we help you achieve your goals and live your absolute best life. Be sure to subscribe, connect, and share. Until next time, remember, you're the boss.